Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste. Hi. Uh, today I've got a, hopefully a fun one. Um, you know how there's the phrase, what you see is what you get. Well, there's a part before that that, you know, most people neglect to mention. And that is what you look for is what you see, which is what you get. Because um, all of us intelligent beings are pattern seekers. That's how our brains work. We, we look at things out in the universe and we compare them to the patterns that we have in our brains that we've already gotten, you know, as we've accumulated um, sensory inputs, information from the outside external world, you know, from the time that we were fetuses, probably. Um, not just when we were born, but we were inside our wombs, our mother's wombs, you know, we, we had this information input into us as well, to some extent. Um, and then when we were born, we had, you know, whoosh, an overwhelming amount of information uh, input coming into us. And so we arrange this information in patterns in our brains. And then when we see something new in the universe, in our environment, we compare that to the patterns that we already have in our brains and we say, okay, this thing is like this other thing in some way. And it's like another thing in another way, and it's like another thing in another way, and this way we can, um, the more experience we have and the, the more complex our brains get developed um, in humans, in theory at least, it can get up to being four-dimensional. Um, so we can, we can look at uh, multiple different things and compare this, this one individual thing we're looking at to a bunch of different things and saying, okay, well, this is like this in this way, and this is like that in another way, and this is like this in another way. And that way we can, we can sort of triangulate and quadrangulate um, our understanding of what things are and how they work. Now, because we have these this pattern-seeking ability that, that all, as far as I can tell, all brains have, and possibly even non-brainy things, you know, anything that has a nervous system, I'm sure, has some kind of ability to compare, you know, X with Y, you know, compare this new thing that, that's in the environment with something that it's already, it already knows um, in some way. Because we are these pattern seekers, um, that's pretty much all we do as far as thinking is and emotions and everything. Everything that we experience gets compared to something else and we decide, you know, what to do with it. So this pattern seeking allows us to find things. Uh, you, you may hear a lot of people saying the term, you know, seeing things that aren't there. Well, that's not entirely an accurate way of describing something. What a better way to say it is seeing things that um, are there in a certain way. So, for example, um, you can have, well, all patterns are fractal, right? All patterns uh, are, I mean, that's why we call them patterns and we don't call them a specific thing. You know, we, we don't necessarily call a glass a, a glass pattern. 
you know, so you pick up a glass that has water in it, and, and we don't call this a, a pattern of glass and water, we just call it a glass and water. But when we refer to the term pattern, that means that it's a more uh, generalized term. It's a more overall experience of something that can be transferred from here to there. So that's why we have things like numbers. And certainly most of our words are, are more like patterns. Um, even when we say glass, you know, that can actually refer to a bunch of different patterns, of course, which adds complexity to our, our communication problems <laughs> and conflict. What glass are you talking about? Are you talking about the window glass? Are you talking about the glass that has water in it? Are you talking about the things that I'm wearing on my face that help me see? Um, but uh, numbers are probably a, a little more useful to talk about as far as patterns because we understand what numbers are in a, in a fairly specific way. That these, these are a way of measuring things um, in a very generalized but very specific pattern. So when you say the number seven, for example, we understand um, that that has a very specific relationship of one thing to another 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 thing. I think that was seven. Um, and that, that there are, there are, there, there is this number of things, this specific quantity of things that are relating to one another in a, in a fairly equal way. You know, we, d we don't generally say, you know, uh, there are two things when they're very different things. We, we generally would say they're, they're two different things. We wouldn't count them. We would say there's an apple and a, you know, porcupine. We, we wouldn't say there are two things here, we'd say there's an apple and a porcupine. We wouldn't lump those two things together generally. Um, but again, all patterns, and the more generic we can have these patterns, the more we can see them. So even if you are really stretching yourself and there are, there are only, there, there's nothing else in a room except an apple and a porcupine, you're going to say there are two things in this room. Or you might even you might even say there are two living things in this room, um, you know, if you're comparing the, you know, the apple and the porcupine to a, you know, stapler, you're going to say there are two living things here and there is one um, non-living thing. So patterns can be applied at any different level. That's why I say they're fractal. So. That means that when you do see a pattern in the universe, and sometimes we call this deja vu, that's, that's an experience of a pattern that, uh, that has a funny name that we have a very specific description of, um, except of course that this happens like in every instant with everything you ever see, because everything you see does get compared to something you've already, well, I should say see, I'm saying, I'm meaning see in the, the more general sense here, and uh, not literally just with your eyes, but experiencing something. When your sensory inputs giving you this information of, you know, something in your environment, you are comparing it to something that you've already experienced, um, you know, sight and sound and smell and taste and touch. And so in some sense, you are recognizing a pattern in this thing, um, no matter what. I mean, there's a pattern that, oh, this is something that exists. <laughs> this is something that's real, as far as I can tell. You know, I'm experiencing this as a real, you know, thing, whether it's an object or a, or a you know, movement or something like that. You know, we, 
we recognize it because we recognize the pattern in it. Now, of course, no pattern, as far as we can tell, in the universe ever repeats itself. And there's even this thing called the Pauli exclusion principle, which is kind of cool. And uh, it's another it's another way of saying uh, everything that can happen, can possibly happen, does happen. And another way of looking at this, um, basically the Pauli exclusion principle is sort of like saying that, um, you know how if, you, if you've ever played uh, Battleship, you know, there's a grid, you know, the, the, the kids game, Battleship where you, uh, you know, it's basically like a map where you have a grid and um, you have letters on one side and numbers on the other, and you say, you know, and you, you sort of, you're trying to guess someone else's location of their little, these little plastic ships that you stick on a grid. Now, you can't stick, you can't put two ships in the same place on the grid. You can't overlap the ships because they, they, they don't work that way. They, you cannot put two things in the exact same space. And that's all the poly exclusion principle is saying, uh, is that you can't have two different things in the exact same space. They, they can't, you can't have things overlapping three-dimensionally. They don't work um, as far as objects. Uh, of course, in time, certainly you can take one out, and at another point in time, you can put a different one in. That's 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 a different dimension. But in space, you can't have things overlapping uh, in the same space. Two different things can't be in the same space. So that's all the the Pauli exclusion principle is saying. Um, but this brings us back to also saying that every possible thing that can happen does happen. And another way of looking at that, if we're, we're still using the, the description of the battleship grid map uh, concept, that that simply means that all of the holes are open. And eventually, all of those, you know, if, if you play battleship enough times, you know, throughout the universe, every single hole at some point is going to get filled up by a ship because because the holes are there, you know, these locations are there and the universe just naturally sort of spreads itself out. Reality spreads out into all the available space. So combining this these two things, the exclusion principle saying that, you know, you can never overlap things at the same time, but also over time everything will overlap in every possible combination, uh, then you realize that all possible patterns are out there. Which means, if you're looking for a pattern, in a, in a more general sense, I mean, if you're looking for an extremely specific pattern, an extremely, extremely, extremely specific pattern, like a glass full, a, a certain specific size of glass and a certain specific height of the water with a certain specific, you know, density and temperature and so on and so forth, um, you are far less likely to find it. But the more general your pattern you're looking for, the more likely you're going to find it all over the place in all different kinds of fractal levels. Um, which means that if you want something, if you want to find something, if you want something to exist and for you, for you to be able to experience it in your life, you should A, know what it is that you're looking for, and B, look for it. <laughs> You know, learn to recognize it, figure out what that pattern is, and learn to recognize it. And again, this is 
nature. This is the laws of physics. This is simply the way our brains and our reality works, that all of these patterns are out there. And if a pattern has made you happy in the past, then you can identify that pattern in a more general sense. Again, it's, it's not the specifics. You want to be as general as you possibly can. Um, you know, you don't need to be like entirely general, like, I mean, if you want, you can say, hey, I, I just really like experiencing reality, <laughs> you know, I just like knowing that something exists, then, oh, then you're gonna, you're just gonna find that everywhere you look, <laughs> which, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe certain personalities are just, uh, are just built that way to be happy with, you know, everything that happens, just because the fact that it exists is, uh, it's a miracle, the fact that, you know, the universe exists and something is being experienced. Go back and listen to my I think, therefore I am uh, thing uh, episode. And, uh, you know, if if you look for the pattern and it makes you happy that something exists, then you're just, <laughs> you're golden. Your life is miraculously happy. Um, most of the rest of us probably are programmed to be uh not so happy with with everything and, and have more specific things that we find that make us happy um, but as long as we can be as general as possible in identifying those things that make us happy then we're likely to find that pattern more often than if we weren't looking for it um, so that's why it is so crucial to not only identify what makes you happy in the most general sense you know, be as general about it as possible, and then to actively look for it. And part of actively looking for things means using the right tools. This uh, this is a funny, um, I'm going to talk about this in another episode a little bit more, or a lot more, um, but the idea of the double slit experiment, which shows uh, how light can be measured in different ways and can be experienced in different ways depending on how you measure it, the kind of tools, equipment, uh, approaches, whatever you're looking at it with, gives you different results. It's the same light, it's the same universe, we're just using different tools to measure it in a different way. Um, and a, a much simpler way to describe this is saying, um, if you're looking for something that flies as opposed to looking for an airplane. Um, airplanes don't always fly. Say so They sometimes do. But if you find an airplane, it's not necessarily going to fly. So if what you want is flight, then you look for flight, things that fly. You're not always going to find an airplane, but you're always going to find flight. And if flight makes you happy, then you can use a bunch of different things, not just an airplane. You can also, you know, do something with kites, you can do something with hang gliders, you can do something with bath suits, <laughs> um, you can do something, you can study flying squirrels, you can, you can uh, commune with the birds, you can get virtual reality experiences of flying. You know, so if, if you decide that you like airplanes, but you don't have an airplane available to you at the moment, then figure that then maybe what you like about airplanes is that the airplanes fly and then you could look at flight and you can look for all the patterns all the options that you have in your life that also have flight in them and you can go in that direction instead of the airplane direction 
So using the tool to decide what you're going to measure is very helpful. Uh, the tactic, um, and in this sense, what I'm saying is you, you're not measure, you're not using a ruler to measure the airplane. I'm saying you're using the tool to decide how you're measuring what you want. Um, I mean, of course, you might actually be using specific tools, but um, in a more general sense, you're using a tactic, your mind, in a way that is more accurately representing the kinds of patterns that make you happy. So, um, I guess I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I do have a recommendation to go back and listen to the, um, the Speaking Up for Yourself, I believe it's called, episode Speaking Up, Elevate Your Conversation Worksheet, which was, um, it looks like episode five, although I, I don't, there, I don't know that they're numbered in anywhere except in the blog posts themselves within them. So, um, but if you're looking for it, it's called Speaking Up, Elevate Your Conversation Worksheet. I have a lot of Speaking Up things. That is one of my big sort of art projects that I have. Um, but this particular one is the most recent thing I've, I've put up on the blog. Um, and it is a podcast, and there's a worksheet available, and I will link to those in the um, in the blog entry for this. Uh, this episode is called "What You Look For Is What You See Is What You Get," and I've also got a couple of links up there to a thing called Google's Deep Mind, which uh, is a fantastic. A new release by Google um, where they where they set the pattern seeking um, functions of an artificial intelligence or whatever you want to call it an algorithm uh, that looks for patterns in visual images and they set this pattern recognition on a feedback loop so that it it looks for a pattern and then it sort of identifies it in a more general way and then it looks again at the image and it says oh that looks even more like this pattern and so it keeps it keeps generating more and more similarities to the things that it's already seen of course this <laughs> they've only fed this this um this infant artificial intelligence algorithm um experiences primarily of dogs eyeballs and pagodas as well as I think mountains. <laughs> so it sees an awful lot of pagodas and dogs and mountains <laughs> and eyeballs and things. There are a couple of other um, sets, of data sets that they've, of images that they've fed into these things. Um, MIT has another collection of them. But but basically it's, it's just this fascinating, it, it's actually um, this, basically the same experience that the human brain does when it finds um, what we call hallucinations, um, the sort of thing that you might get if you take uh, certain mind-altering drugs like uh, mushrooms and LSD, from what I understand. Um, I have, in fact, taken mushrooms, and this was, in fact, something that happened to me. I, I did some drawing, and uh, and yeah, you see patterns everywhere um, that remind you of things in, in a far more feedback-loopy kind of way that, that, you know, you see a couple of different things, and they're like, oh my goodness, that's 
totally exactly like you know uh i don't know i i the drawings that i did were, were very random but you know it, you see a lot of faces certainly human faces especially um but anyway i've, I've linked to that and that that shows you a, a bit in depth about how um even even non-human brains function this way anything that processes information um anything even remotely intelligent as in figuring problem solving out and recognizing things is going to have this ability to pattern seek and the more you look for it the more you find it <laughs> so some of these images will show you how deeply it looked for certain things and how easily it found them especially dogs and eyeballs <laughs> and pagodas but anyway uh so those are the links in there and i hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, i hope you do find a little bit more of what you seek and i hope that what you seek is what you really want and i hope that what you really want is something that's really awesome and i'll leave you with that namaste